The Piling Pay Dirt Podcast with Scott Lasher. Welcome back to the Piling Pay Dirt Podcast. It is week six and we are coming off a week five that did not disappoint. Plenty of good games took place last Saturday. At noon, Kentucky ran all over the Gators. Their running back Ray Davis had 280 on Florida. The Wildcats won that game 33-14. We got wins with quarterback Graham Mertz hitting his passing touchdown prop and wide receiver Ricky Persall hitting his anytime touchdown prop. At 3.30, LSU and Ole Miss put up over 100 points combined, resulting in a final minute win by Ole Miss 55-49. We won the Brian Thomas yardage prop and the anytime touchdown prop for him. We also won the Jalen Daniels passing touchdown prop, as well as Ole Miss quarterback Jackson Dart's anytime touchdown prop. At 7.30, Notre Dame was able to cover against Duke. An injury to Duke quarterback Riley Leonard may have cost Duke that game. It's always tough to see it end that way. Wish you could have saw it with him finish it out. But moving on to this week's games, we have one of the most historic rivalries in college football at noon between Texas and Oklahoma. Then at 3.30, we have a game that since 2012 has positioned itself to be one of the premier matchups in college football. That is Alabama at Texas A&M. Then at 7.30, we have Notre Dame at Louisville. This is my third week in a row covering Notre Dame, but I'm not a fan of Notre Dame or anything. It really is just a coincidence. In my opinion, these are just the three best matchups on Saturday. And let's be honest, Notre Dame has positioned themselves to be a team to watch this year, so it's not weird that they keep popping up. So as always, we'll go through all three of these matchups, provide a preview and some betting picks for each of them. Let's start with the noon matchup between Texas and Oklahoma, the Red River Rivalry. So at noon to start off the day, we have the Red River Shootout. That's going to be from the Cotton Bowl in Dallas. This year's game is going to be between two undefeated rivals, Texas and Oklahoma. Texas comes in as a six-point favorite, and the total is sitting at 60.5 points. The Red River rivalry, Red River showdown, shootout, whichever one you prefer, we all know what you mean. This rivalry game is among the best in college football. Through the years, it's produced plenty of classics. This game will be the 119th meeting between these two teams. Thanks to conference realignment, this will be the last of its kind as both of these programs are leaving the Big 12 for the SEC. So this will be the last Red River rivalry in the Big 12. For now, each team hopes for a Big 12 championship this year and a college football playoff spot as representatives of the Big 12. So let's get into this matchup starting with Oklahoma. The Sooners are coming off a solid win against Iowa State last week, 50-20. to They come into this game undefeated on a season with their toughest matchup ahead. The Sooners are led by quarterback Dylan Gabriel, who has looked great so far this season. Last week, he went 26 of 39 pass attempts for 366 yards and three touchdown passes. He did throw a pick, but he ran two in on the ground as well. The offense put up 523 total yards last week against the Cyclones and converted 30 first downs. They looked unstoppable. Oklahoma head coach Brett Venables said about last week's game, It's about improving and being relentless to improve. Gotta be better. Solid mindset from a coach who is 5-0. Texas is going to present a stiffer challenge than Iowa State, no question about that. But the defense took care of business last week as well. They were in the Cyclones' backfield a lot with 9 tackles for loss and 3 sacks. The Sooners also had 2 picks last week. 
As it showed last week, this Sooner team is balanced and well-rounded. Sixth in the nation in total offense, 24th in defense. On offense, they are better at the pass, ranking 8th and they're 56th on the ground. Defensively, they rank 29th against the rush and 37th against the pass. I mean, it's a solid team all around. The Sooners are also good at protecting the ball. They limit turnovers. They rank 7th in turnover differential this season. So it's hard to find the glaring weak spot anywhere on this team. But maybe it is the penalties. They are 98th in the nation in penalties per game. They'll have to clean it up this week because they haven't played a team like Texas yet, and mistakes like that can be fatal. Speaking about the personnel that makes all of this work for the Sooners, let's start with quarterback Dylan Gabriel. He is capable of leading this team to victory. He is currently completing 75% of his passes for for over 1,500 yards, 15 touchdowns, to only two interceptions this season. He's also been effective on the ground this year, running for four touchdowns and 95 yards. Oklahoma features three running backs that will share the ball. Marcus Major has the most carries with 51 for 199 yards and a touchdown. Then Tawee Walker with 38 carries and 193 yards for two touchdowns. Then Javante Barnes has 28 carries for 122 yards and a touchdown himself, though Barnes is on the injury report and is questionable to play this Saturday. The targets for Dylan Gabriel include Drake Stoops. He leads the team in receptions with 25 for 203 yards and 4 touchdowns. Andrell Anthony has 22 catches for 387 yards and a touchdown. That's almost 18 yards per catch. Jaleel Farouk has 15 catches for 285 yards and two touchdowns. That's 19 yards a catch. And then there's Nick Anderson, who has only 10 catches for 279 yards and five touchdowns. That is just shy of 28 yards a catch at 27.9 yards a catch. And there's a ton of other players who caught passes for the Sooners as well this year. They love to air it out. On the defensive side of the ball, have an eye for Danny Stutzman. He is a tackling machine at the linebacker position. He has a team leading 47 tackles. He also has two sacks and an interception. He's pretty good. Defensive back Key Lawrence is another player to watch. He has 18 tackles, one forced fumble, and two picks. Defensive backs Gentry Williams and Billy Bowman have two picks each. Bowman had a pick six last week as well against the Cyclones. This defense plays well as a unit. This season, a lot of people have been able to eat. Three players I haven't mentioned have interceptions, and two I haven't mentioned have forced fumbles. This defensive unit is stout and can take the ball away from opposing offenses. For Oklahoma, they come into this game with a team that is well-equipped to give Texas a run for its money. They are more well-rounded than they've been in years. They have a quarterback who can make big plays and a defense that makes it tough to score points, and it makes it tough to hold on to the ball as well for opposing offenses. However, this is Texas. This is a team that walked through Alabama in Tuscaloosa, and this is their Red River rivalry. There is no doubt that this is the biggest game that Oklahoma has played all year, and the same can be said for Texas. This is a prove-it time for both programs. Let's talk about Texas. Texas is rolling. They have allowed less than 14 points in every game except for when they went to Alabama and beat them 34-24. Last week, the Longhorns beat Kansas 40-14, to though the Jayhawks were without their star dual quarterback, Jalen Daniels. The Longhorns put up 661 yards of total offense last week, and star quarterback Quinn Ewers was 25 of 35 pass attempts for 325 yards on a touchdown pass. 
Running back Jonathan Brooks ran for a career-high 217 yards and two touchdowns in the victory as well. And wide receiver Adonai Mitchell shined in the win with 10 catches, 141 yards, and a touchdown catch. The defense for the Longhorns held their own last week as well, holding the Jayhawks to only 255 total yards and only 14 points. The Jayhawks were also 0 for 8 on third down. It is fair to say that this matchup against Oklahoma is the toughest matchup for the Longhorns so far, but they have already got two wins against top 25 schools, so the Longhorns should be ready for this. They are definitely the more battle-tested team. As far as rankings go, Texas is 12th in total offense in the nation. That's 23rd on the ground and 25th through the air. Defensively, they're 10th in the nation for total defense. That's 18th against the run and 30th against the pass. This defense is number one in the red zone, though. Much like Oklahoma, Texas is good at protecting the ball. They don't commit a lot of turnovers. They're 13th in turnover differential. But unlike Oklahoma, Texas limits their mistakes penalty-wise. They are 15th in penalties per game in the country. Both of these teams are very well-rounded. For the Longhorns, they are led by star quarterback Quinn Ewers. He has been having the best season of his career. He's completing 66% of his passes for 1,300 yards, 10 touchdowns, and 1 pick. He's also ran for 74 yards on the ground and 5 scores. Quinn Ewers is very good, and he has this clutch factor about him. He rises to the occasion in big-time situations, and he's fun to watch. This will be a big-time legacy game for Ewers, and it'll be interesting to see if he can get it done and keep this undefeated season rolling past Oklahoma. Behind Ewers, there is an absolute workhorse of a running back. Jonathan Brooks has 86 carries for 597 yards and 5 touchdowns this season. That's 6.9 yards a carry and 119 yards a game. The guy is a beast. The targets for Ewers start with wide receivers Xavier Worthy and Adonai Mitchell. Worthy has a team-high 26 catches for 345 yards and 3 touchdowns, while Mitchell has 22 catches for 321 yards and 4 touchdowns. Tight end Jatavian Sanders is also effective in the pass game, but he's actually on injury report and he's listed as day-to-day right now. The Longhorns will really hope to have him ready for this Saturday. The defensive unit is led by linebacker Jalen Ford. He has a team-high 32 tackles and 2 interceptions. A few guys on this defense can get to the quarterback. Byron Murphy has two and a half sacks. Ethan Burke and Anthony Hill have a pair each this season. So they can make some problems in behind the line of scrimmage. Defensively, like Oklahoma, this unit for the Longhorns is a well-rounded unit that plays as a team. They don't get as many turnovers as the Sooners do, but they are relatively good at doing that. And the real strength of this Texas defense is how good they are in the red zone and on third down. A defense that can get you off the field on third down consistently and also stop you from getting a touchdown when you're within inside their 20-yard line is a unit that frustrates the hell out of you, and that's a unit that can win football games. So, honestly, in a game like this, it really is going to come down to which team is able to field the best version of themselves on this particular Saturday. This matchup head-to-head 10 times could go 5-5, five and five maybe, 6-4, and four. but I think at both team's absolute best texas is the better team that being said it's a very close margin so it could come down to which team makes the fewer mistakes it could come down to one big play something like that this is going to be a great matchup it always is but here are my picks i like quinn ewers over two and a half passing touchdowns that's at plus 120 on DraftKings right now 
I think Oklahoma is going to do everything they can to slow down Brooks, their running back, in this game. So there's something about Ewers that makes me think he's going to step up, rise to the occasion, and get at least three touchdown passes. I also actually like both quarterbacks to go over their passing yards. For Gabriel, it's at 264.5 yards right now. I would play that to 270. For Ewers, it's at 292.5 yards. I'd play that to 300 yards. I think there's going to be a lot of passing in this game. So with that being said, Adonai Mitchell for the Longhorns is going to go over his receiving yards. It's at 68.5 right now. I would play that to 75 yards. And then finally, I am going to back Texas to cover minus 6. I am a little bit worried about the length of the line because I do think it is going to be a very close game. However, I just can't back Oklahoma with how hot Texas has looked so far and how good Ewers has looked so far. I realize that the Sooners have looked good as well, but they haven't gone through the type of talent that Texas has, and I think that Texas will win this game by a touchdown. All right, that's it for this one. Next, we have the 330 game. That's Alabama at Texas A&M. And now, the Crimson Tide take on the Aggies. This 330 matchup is between the top two teams in the SEC West, Alabama and Texas A&M. Texas A&M will have the all-important home field advantage at Kyle Field in this one. Alabama comes into this one on the road as one-point favorites, and the total sits at 45.5 points. Since Texas A&M moved to the SEC in 2012, this matchup has been a good one. Though it's mostly been dominated by Bama, and last year, Bama pulled off another victory in a close 24-20 win. Both teams are coming into this game 4-1, although Bama is ranked number 11 and A&M is outside of the top 25. A win here would send them skyrocketing up the ranks, but the last time that Saban lost to before October 10th was his first season in 2007. Let's get into this matchup starting with Bama. Alabama's sole loss came to a very strong Texas team, but since then, they have been taking care of business. Their offensive production and quarterback play are starting to come together, and their defense is playing angry. Quinn Ewers did pretty much whatever he wanted against Bama, but since then, they've looked rock solid, and that's including against a team like Ole Miss when they limited them to 10 points, and Ole Miss has a very high-powered offense. They just put up 55 points against LSU last week, if you don't believe me. <laughs> but in a game like this, in an environment like this, Alabama's quarterback, Jalen Monroe, will have to settle in early and play solid mistake-free football. This AM defense is no joke. It is the best in the SEC, and Kyle Field is no joke, especially in a game against Bama, and the 12th man will be in full effect this Saturday. Since being benched after that Texas game, Milrow has looked solid, very efficient in the last two games. He's near 80% completion, and when Milrow is efficient with his passes and does what he does with his legs, this offense is very effective. There's no doubt about it. A big part of that, though, is the pass protection. Especially in a game like this against this type of defense, the Alabama O-line will have to protect Milrow. He has been sacked 15 times this year, and that's with him sitting out a game against the University of South Florida. Lead back Jace McClellan has been great on the ground this year. 326 yards on 67 attempts and 3 touchdowns. Along with that, running back Roy Dell Williams has also been good with 242 yards on 48 attempts. In the receiving game for the Tide, Isaiah Bond has been 
the leader with a team-high 12 catches and 179 yards with a touchdown as well. Jermaine Burton has 8 catches for 189 yards, and he has found Pater twice. Although, he's actually dealing with an undisclosed injury and is reportedly not 100% at the time of recording this, so it is unclear if he'll play Saturday. Obviously, the Tide will hope to have him back. Tight end Amari Niblack is also good in the past game with 8 catches for 158 yards and 2 touchdowns. With the exception of the Texas game, this defense has been great all year, and really the offense has looked good all year. On the season, the defense has only allowed 14 points a game, and the offense has put up 32 points for. The defense is a balanced unit, allowing under 200 yards a game through the air and less than 120 on the ground. Caleb Downs is a star on that side of the ball for the Tide. He has a team leading 35 tackles as well as an interception. Eight players on the Tide's defense have over 20 total tackles, and six players have an interception, four players have a forced fumble, seven players have recorded at least one sack. It is a great unit. Linebacker Dallas Turner has five and a half sacks as well as two forced fumbles, and linebacker Chris Braswell has three and a half sacks and a pick as well as a forced fumble. It goes without saying, this defense is full of talent and very good as a unit. Both of these defenses on Saturday are very good. Points are going to be hard to come by in this game, and I can see a lot of turnovers happening. It will be interesting to see how quarterback Jalen Monroe handles the hostile environment of Kyle Field. Now, let's talk about Texas A&M. The Aggies lost starting quarterback Connor Wegman for the season after he was injured against Auburn two weeks ago. Max Johnson, the LSU transfer, has stepped into that role, and he played well last week against Arkansas. But I think it goes without saying, Arkansas's defense is no Alabama defense. In that win last week, he didn't exactly light up the stat sheet either. He was 17 of 28 pass attempts for 210 yards and two touchdowns with two turnovers. Johnson is capable of running the ball too. On the season, he has ran for 52 yards on 16 attempts, but he has not hit the end zone yet. Running backs Amari Daniels and Le'Veon Moss split the carries for the Aggies. Daniels has run the ball 49 times for 270 yards and two touchdowns, while Moss has carried the ball 46 times for 276 yards and two touchdowns. As far as targets go for Johnson, it's going to be Evan Stewart and Anias Smith. They are the Aggies' leading receivers. Stewart has a team-high 24 catches for 357 yards and four touchdowns, while Smith has 22 catches for 343 yards, but he hasn't found Pater yet. There is three other pass catchers on the Aggies' offense that have over 100 yards, and that includes tight end Noah Thomas, who has 11 catches for 118 yards and four touchdowns. Offensively, the Aggies have been solid this year. They are putting up 38 points a game. They're putting up over 450 yards a game. But the only question is, can they do that against a defense like Alabama? I don't think they'll have to put up 38 points in this game, but they will have to play some of their best offensive football if they're going to win. The biggest key to this game for the Aggies, though, is their defense. This defense is the best in the SEC, and I mentioned that the Bama O-line will have to do a good job for Monroe this, or this game. That's because this defense has 20 sacks this year. That's 20 sacks in five games. That's ridiculous. Three players on this defense have at least three sacks. Linebacker Edron Cooper leads the team with four. He also leads the team in tackles with 29. And Shamar Turner has three and a half sacks from his defensive line spot, as well as two forced fumbles. 
This defense really hasn't had to, but they could force more turnovers. They only have two picks as a unit and three forced fumbles as a unit. That could be a product of getting teams off the field via turnover on downs this year, though. It's hard to say. This unit has allowed 18 points per game, only 274 total yards per game, with less than 100 yards on the ground per game. This defense allows the Aggies to control the pace, and they've been able to get off the field very quickly to allow their offense to produce. If the Aggies can get pressure on Monroe early and often, they can win this game for sure. A team led by their defense loves home field advantage, especially this kind of home field advantage. Kyle Field is one of the toughest places to play in all of college football, and the 12th man will absolutely be on the field for the Aggies this Saturday. This is going to be a great game, and as the spread suggests, it is going to be a super close game. It's really tough to pick against the Aggies at home, but it may be even tougher to pick the Tide to have their worst start since Saban's first year as head coach. So with that being said, here are my picks. I like Alabama quarterback Jalen Milrow to score a touchdown. I think Milrow will have to use his escapability in this game with how effective the Aggies pass rush is, and I think he is capable of escaping for a score this Saturday. I also like tight end Amari Niblack as an anytime touchdown scorer for the Tide. He has been a great security blanket for Milrow, and I think he will find Pater this weekend. Finally, I'm taking the Tide to cover. The line has been moving around between 1 to 2.5 points. I would play it to 2.5. Any lower would obviously be better, but I think the Tide will win by a field goal this Saturday. Alright, that's it for this game. We have one more starting at 7.30. That's going to be between the Notre Dame Fighting Irish and the Louisville Cardinals. And now, the Irish take on the Cardinals. Okay, this is the last matchup I'll be covering for Saturday. This game kicks off at 7.30. Notre Dame will be on the road against Louisville. The Irish are sitting at 6.5 point favorites, and the total is sitting at 53.5 points. Don't look now, but Louisville is 5-0. They are undefeated and sitting atop the ACC. They are currently 2-0 in conference play with back-to-back wins against Boston College and NC State. Last week, they endured a scoreless first half to score 13 unanswered points for the win. With wins against Georgia Tech in Week 1, Indiana in Week 3, followed by in-conference wins the last two weeks, Louisville deserves some serious credit right now. Notre Dame comes in 5-1 after surviving against Duke last week. They continued their dominance over ACC opponents with that win, but Duke was climbing back when an injury to their star quarterback all but put that to an end. Unfortunate, but nevertheless, Notre Dame got the dub. This week, Louisville will look to stay undefeated and strengthen their case for being the best in the ACC, while Notre Dame will look to prove they are among the best in the nation. They have only lost to Ohio State on a walk-off touchdown, so that's not enough to get them out of that conversation. Let's get into this matchup, starting with Louisville. Last week, Louisville didn't look great on Friday night. I had them to win in a three-leg parlay, and I had all but given up hope at halftime. The defense turned it on, though, in the second half, and the offense was finally able to start moving the ball, and they were able to pull out the victory with 13 unanswered points. Quarterback Jack Plummer has been having a solid year for the Cardinals. He has 10.7 yards per attempt this year, so the offensive passing game can absolutely be explosive. He's currently completing 65% of his passes for 1,400 yards and 11 touchdown passes to 6 interceptions. On the ground, he has 36 attempts 
for 79 yards and a score. The knock on Plummer would be his decision making though. He has just done some dumb things with the ball in his hands this year. With that being said though, he makes some pretty passes and he is great at throwing his receivers open. The star on offense for the Cardinals though is running back Jawar Jordan. He is averaging 7.7 .7 yards per attempt this year and he has 510 yards on 66 carries with 6 touchdowns. He has also caught the ball 7 times for 159 yards and a touchdown there. It's no secret that Louisville leans on him very heavily for their offensive success. In the past game, the targets for Plummer include 6 players with at least 100 yards receiving, but none have been as effective as wide receiver Jamari Thrash. He has a team-high 22 catches for 444 yards and 5 touchdowns. That's over 20 yards a catch and a touchdown in each game. Wide receiver Amari Huggins-Bruce is second in line for receiving with 13 catches, 191 yards, and 2 touchdowns, followed by Kevin Coleman with 167 yards and a touchdown. As a unit, this offense has put up over 500 yards a game and 37 points a game with a very balanced attack between the rush and the pass. And as I said before, their schedule has been fairly tough, but none of their opponents are as strong as Notre Dame. Defensively, the Cardinals have been good as well. They allowed 34 points to Georgia Tech in Week 1, and they allowed 28 points to Boston College two weeks ago. But in the other three games combined, they've only allowed 24 points. All told this season, the defense is allowing 17 points per game, 327 yards a game, that's 218 through the air and 109 on the ground. There's no question that Louisville is about to play the hardest game of the year so far against a Notre Dame team that was one play away from beating Ohio State. If Louisville can pull this off, it will put them ahead of Duke as the favorite to beat out Florida State for the ACC title this year, and they will move way up in the rankings as they currently sit at 25th in the nation. Now let's talk about Notre Dame. Like I said at the beginning of the podcast, this is my third time covering Notre Dame, so at risk of repeating myself, let's talk about the Irish. Star quarterback Sam Hartman continues to impress, although last week he was held to only 50% completion with no touchdowns. He still has yet to throw a pick this season with 14 passing touchdowns on the year. And when Hartman isn't tossing the rock, running back Audric Estime is pounding it. He continued his dominant season last week with 81 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. The player catching my attention the most, though, is tight end Mitchell Evans. After a slow start to the season this year, he has been producing like no one else has in the past game for Notre Dame. Evans had 7 catches for 75 yards against Ohio State and 6 catches for 134 yards against Duke. That's particularly impressive when you consider that Hartman only threw for 222 yards in total last week and Evans accounted for 134 of those. Notre Dame has been looking for their receivers to step up, and it really hasn't happened yet. Wide receiver Jaden Thomas has 13 catches for 195 yards and a touchdown. Jaden Greathouse has 12 catches for 166 yards and four touchdowns. Chris Tyree has 11 catches for 269 yards and two touchdowns. And guys like Rico Flores and Tobias Merriweather all have a chance to step up into that lead role for that receiving core. Nevertheless, they've all been productive though. There's really nothing to complain about. It's just there hasn't been that one guy that stands out from the rest. Defensively, the Irish are still looking like one of the best units in college football. They are holding opponents to only 13 points a game 
and 284 total yards per game. Notre Dame is blessed with having two of the best cornerbacks in college football, and they will be tasked with shutting down Louisville receiver Jamari Thrash this Saturday night. You really can't say anything bad about this defense. They have eight players with at least 20 tackles, they have five players with at least an interception, and seven players with at least a forced fumble. They have also been good at getting to the quarterback with nine players having recorded a sack. It has been quite some time since Notre Dame has fielded a team this strong. With that being said, the last two weeks, Hartman has looked less like a Heisman candidate and more like a game manager, but he's still capable of playing at that type of level. The question for this week is, how good is Louisville really? There is no reason to believe that their 5-0 record is cheap, but this game is going to tell the story. Are they contenders or are they pretenders? Here are my picks. I like Notre Dame tight end Mitchell Evans over his receiving yards. It's currently at 52.5 yards on DraftKings. I would play that all the way to 65. I also like Evans as an anytime touchdown scorer. He actually has yet to score a touchdown this year, but with the type of production he has been having lately, the touchdown is sure to come this Saturday. I also like Hartman over his passing yards. I think he will get back in a groove this week and throw for at least 250. His yards are currently at 239.5 on DraftKings. I would play that to 250. Finally, take Notre Dame to cover. They're going to cover minus 6.5. This Louisville team has looked great on defense and explosive on offense. But there has just been too many costly mistakes and turnovers. Plus, I don't believe they're going to have explosive pass plays against this Notre Dame secondary. And Jawar Jordan won't be able to do it on, on his own. So for that reason, take Notre Dame to cover, minus six and a half. All right, that is it for this episode of the Piling Pay Dirt Podcast. You can find next week's episode at Piling Pay Dirt Podcast on Apple Podcast, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever else you get your podcast. See you next week. Enjoy the games. The Piling Pay Dirt Podcast will be back next week for week seven. 